Picking up the pieces of an extremely disappointing loss on this Monday, NC State falls at home to the Louisville Cardinals by a score of 13 to 10. You are locked on Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Wolfpack Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Wolfpack, free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get up to $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Happy Monday. As always, I'm Grayson Boone, joined by former Wolfpack defensive tackle Kenton Gibbs. Kenton, we ran a live episode following the soul-crushing loss on Friday night. Had a lot of fan participation in there. We thank you all again for jumping in and tweeting through it, so to speak, on Friday night. But we're back here on Monday. More big-picture thoughts uh, and also some reiteration from what we were talking about on Friday night. We're going to start here with rehashing Kenton's keys because those typically will tell you the outcome of an NC State ball game one way or another. Kenton, we're going to start with the offense. Tell us how we did against Kenton's keys. Yeah, so the offense was bad. Um, and That's we... probably an understatement. The offense oh. was pathetic. Well, you pathetic. know, the putrid, useless, whatever words you want to use. And they went one of three against the keys. The first key. Hold on to the ball. Take care of the ball. One turnover or less. Mr. Armstrong by himself gave us three. The second key was to get the tight ends involved because I'd been hearing about our lack of qualified pass catchers. Oh, our pass catchers aren't good. We don't have good receivers. Our receivers aren't. Well, there's a room. There's a room of qualified pass catchers, of guys that I know for a fact. All three of these guys, if you were to send them all to different uh, schools around the Power Five, I know all of these guys could go get a starting job somewhere else tomorrow. Get tight ends involved, have 12 touches. I believe we had, what, one touch, which was Trent Penix? It was one singular touch to a tight end, and it was to Trent Penix, yes. Where okay. is Drew Tareen? You know, your guess is good as mine. I, I'm going to pull up whether or not or how many targets we had to our tight ends because I believe we didn't have any more than one or two as well in that department. I don't even think that we tried to get the ball to our tight ends, which is, you know, it's surprising. But then again, when we make their safety, Cam Kelly, who, by the way, wasn't good at UNC, looked like Sean Taylor, you know, interception, forced fumble all over the field. I get why we might think that we are unable to get it to our tight ends, but I digress. The third key was no more than two sacks and six pressures. So they actually had two sacks and two pressures, which is, Mighty interesting and might dispel some believers that our offensive line has done such a horrible job in pass blocking that it doesn't matter who you put back there, they'd fail, because I very much so don't believe that. I flatly do not believe that. But in conclusion, one and two for our offensive keys. Grayson, any thoughts on the offensive keys? 
I'll tell you this in regards to quarterback pressures there. I think the number is so low, while it seemed a whole lot more than that, is because oftentimes you just see Brennan tuck it and run at the first sign of potentially the line breaking down. Um, you, you had a comment here before we jumped on, Kent, that Brennan Armstrong has probably above average time to complete a pass in regards to everyone else in the country. And I think I'd agree with that. I think it's probably closer than some folks would think. Now, not to ignore the struggles that the offensive line did have yeah. on Friday yeah. night because the offensive line was bad. However, there there are a lot of times where Armstrong has ample time to make it make a correct read and then deliver the ball, and we're consistently seeing that not being done. Yeah. And yeah. so and we have we have a deeper conversation here in just a couple minutes. The the meat and bones. Uh, to this episode, if you want to call it that. Stick around. Stick around. <laughs> yeah. Because I know, and, and we don't want to get too much into it, but we have our first ever Locked On Look of the Week. We will be giving fans a look into the plays that are happening that determine games deeply, okay? The ones that win us games, the ones that lose us games, and you know which play we're going with this week. If you don't, stick around. You'll just say. You'll but, say. you know, in encapsulating this offense, the most frustrating thing about this game is because of how well the defense played. We'll touch on them in just a second. And the offense was so disgusting that it ended up not mattering. While we achieved, I guess, one of these keys, perhaps it felt like over three here. And I'm a big hockey guy. I'm from hockey town. So, of course, I love hockey. And there's a, a phrase for when your goalie does great, but your offense gives them no help. It's called your goalie is standing on his head. And that's what our defense did. They stood on their heads all game long. Let's talk about the defensive keys. No big runs, no runs over 20 yards. The longest run of the day was actually 12 yards, and it didn't even come from Joe R. Jordan. Correct. Correct. We that is effectively manhandled Joe R. Jordan. I was so proud of the yeah. effort we had against Jordan beating us yeah. on the ground because he did virtually nothing. And I was holding my breath every time he got the ball. I'm like, please. please. You, you kind of were Everybody expecting be it because the long yeah. run has beaten us so many times yeah. this year. You felt like it was a ticking time bomb, and it never came. We dominated Jawar Jordan effectively, and that was a very positive note for that defense. Absolutely. Uh, the second key was, you know, stop the big play through the air as well. No 30-plus yard passes. So the 39-yarder was a touchdown. Yep. The screen play was, I believe, 31, and there might have been one other 30-yard completion on the day. Last key was stop the stars. Hold Jar and Thrash under, what was it, 175 or 150? 150. 150. They combined for 102. Yeah. 102. And if you look at how those yards came, a lot of them came off of a – one came off a screen, 31-yarder to Thrash, and a, I believe Johar Jordan caught another screen, didn't he, for 25 yeah, or something? Yeah, 26. If if we could have just stopped those screens, they really would have honestly think about this. They had 102 yards. Over a half came off two screens. Yep. Yeah. We're again standing on their heads. So proud of the effort because we talked on Thursday and also Friday. Creating turnovers was going to be a pivotal piece of this game for NC State in order to have a chance. The yeah. defense came through. They gave us three turnovers. In hand, it gave us a chance to win. The defense yeah. did everything, probably and more, that you could have asked from them to continually give this offense a chance to just be competent a couple times down the field and win this game for us. And they couldn't get it done. It was disgusting. 
it was discussed. The defense here, this was the effort that we've been looking for all year. The defense that we've been hearing about over the summer, the fastest defense NC State's ever had. They're taking a, a marginal step backward from the talent they lost in 22. This was the performance that we had been waiting for, and we got it. That looked like one of the best defenses in the ACC. That was snuffing out what has been the best offense in the ACC in Louisville. So, again, you have to give all the credit in the world to the Wolfpack defense that we saw on Friday night because they were extraordinary. We're going to get further into this Wolfpack offense that left us with a sour taste in our mouth on Friday evening. We're also, as Kenton mentioned earlier, we're going to give you our first locked-on look of the week. We're going to be breaking down one play in particular, showing you exactly what we have been looking at when we dive into this film review. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Now time for your game changer of the week, and that's Athletic Brewing Company. Their brews are great tasting and award winning, beating out full strength beers in global competitions. Their non-alcoholic beers actually taste good, full of flavor, and well-crafted just like a full strength beer. They brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, golden sours, and more. They're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to the variety, and they're fit for all times. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All right, let's get into what everyone's been waiting for for this Monday episode. You heard both of us say this on our live episode post-game Friday night. I've been in the camp up until this point that Brennan Armstrong coming to NC State was a good decision. It was the correct decision to make him QB1 on paper. And using using him as a, a mentor for MJ Morris going into next year, learning this new offense with Robert and I, that all made perfect sense to me. Now, continuing to roll Brennan Armstrong out after what we just saw on Friday night against Louisville will not make any sense to me. We're past the point of being able to wait on Armstrong to turn it around. I'm sorry the ship has sailed. It's time to fully invest in what has been our quarterback of the future Needs to be quarterback of the right freaking now. It yep. has to be MJ Morris from here on out. Starting this coming week is the perfect time to make that change. It's a non-conference opponent in Marshall who can beat us because they're a good football team. But now is the perfect time to make that change. Yeah, and I want to quote uh, Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle and saying, oh, MJ Morris is the quarterback of the future? Well, the future is now, old man. That's what we got going on here. I'm sorry, but I this is the reason that I'm against giving coaches long extensions. I don't care if your coach goes elsewhere. Let them. If they haven't won you multiple if, – if a coach has not won you a singular championship by year five or six, I don't care where your program is or what your program was. I don't believe in long extensions. I'll give you two in the possible. How do you feel about that? That If you don't want that, go wherever you got to go to get your long term. I'm not giving long-term security to anybody who's not a champion because now we're looking at a situation where it could potentially happen. There is very much so a world 
where we hold on to this experiment because Doran wants to fire off a rebuild and he has the time to do so. That's that. And again, I hope that that's not the case. I hope that I am extremely wrong there. I am not going to lie to you and say I've talked to any source inside the football program who has agreed or accepted, hey, this is a rebuilding year. Nobody has said that. So I don't want anybody saying, oh, Kenton said that he heard it's a rebuild. No, no, no. What I'm saying is I don't want that. And that is why I'm against giving coaches a long leash. But speaking of long leashes, it's just about time for Brendan Armstrong to get pulled in our first ever Locked On Look of the Week. I will explain to you why in detail. Andre Ware called his interception, his first interception of the game that cost us points inside the red zone, a quote-unquote freshman pass. Grayson, can you pull that up for me? First thing first, when you get to the line of scrimmage, before anything else, a quarterback needs to know what the play is. Now, the play as called is switch release, Z in, slot fade, okay? That's what this play is. I don't care what their terminology is. It may be different, all that good stuff, sure, whatever. But that's objectively what this is. So let's walk through each step of it. The first thing first, and by the way, we will show you all the video, but we don't have the rights to it, and we don't want our video to get snatched, okay? We're trying to get monetized eventually. But anyway. can't, have, can't have the Fed showing up at our door. Exactly, exactly. So um, the first thing first, we Porter Rooks is in the slot. Keon Lassane is the outside receiver. Now, Porter Rooks is supposed to come set a slight little pick on this outside corner to give Keon Lassane somewhat of a, a positive on the inside release, give him a little bit of an advantage to where the cornerback is in trail position. Now, Porter, after he sets that little pick, is going to go up and run a fade route right at the numbers, maybe a little outside it. You'd like to give the quarterback a big throwing window, so, you know, inside the numbers if you can. The next thing that you're going to see is Keon Lassane, who was targeting on this play, come underneath that, Take it up to the first down line, which is exactly 10 yards, because this is the first and 10 after the big play to Timmons, and then hit an in route. By the way, the context of this situation is also important because this isn't fourth and 10. This isn't, hey, the game is on the line and we're trailing by six. We need to get an end zone. This is quite literally first and 10. We're up 10-0, driving to start the third quarter, if I if I do remember correctly here. So this play could change everything. And this is what I mean by if we do the little things right, if we do the things that we're supposed to do right, we'll win ball games. If not, we'll do more freshman passes as Heisman winner Andre Ware's day. So we all have the concept of the play. Your outside receiver getting a pick set for him, running an in route. Your inside receiver setting the pick, running a fade route. Now, the first thing that you need to know as a quarterback, where are the safeties? For those of you who are watching on YouTube, the two young men marked with X's are the safeties, Devin Neal and Cam Kelly. Now, Cam Kelly is doing what we like to call giving away the look. Anytime you see a deep safety exactly lined up over where you would set up for an extra point, that means that he is in the direct middle of the field. Now, we all know the old saying, Assuming makes a butt out of you and me, so you don't want to assume. However, if you see a safety there, you're generally going to get single high. But we want to, on the snap, look for where the safeties are going. Pre-snap, you get a look at the safeties. Post-snap, you look at about their first two steps or so, 
And that'll generally tell you. So let's take a look at their first two steps. Did we just see what happened going from this slide to this one? Okay, so Devin Neal is already starting about, I want to say, six or seven yards from the line of scrimmage. The ball is at the 15. He's at about this eight-yard line. On the snap, he immediately gets down to the five-yard line. He's streaming downhill right away, as opposed to Cam Kelly, who has barely taken one step backwards. Okay, so that's what's happening for our, our people who are listening and not viewing. That's what's happening. Here, I draw up what the action actually looks like from where they are pre-snap. Cam taking the middle of the field here in the end zone. Devin coming as a part of this dog. The dog was not blocked up well. We had six blockers to their six defenders. But again, we will get to that failure tomorrow. Now, once you identify single high, the next thing that the quarterback needs to do in reading the defense is go to this little box here. For those of you who are watching, the box in the bottom left-hand corner, for those of you who are listening, we now have Keon Lassane and Porter Rooks into their routes after the switch release. Now, Keon Lassane seems to be smothered, but the corner has outside leverage and he is making an in-breaking route. However, however, so that's a positive sign. Generally, when you got a corner with outside leverage on a receiver that's running an in-breaking route, you've got an advantage there. However, one thing that we have to keep in mind, if you look slightly above the ref's head to the top of your screen here, that X is meant to symbolize the fact that Cam Kelly is still in the middle of the field directly above where Keon Lassane is going to be breaking this route off and going to the end. He's he's literally running right into or right in front of his zone. But let's go to the next slide here. Porter Rooks, on the other hand, who is running the fade, has positive separation. He already has separation. You don't have to predict separation. He already has separation from the corner. He's beaten the corner by the release, the corner, the slot corner who was over him went under both guys after the pick was set, meaning the fade ball was there. And Brennan Armstrong needs to get rid of this ball to the back pylon immediately. In this scenario, Brennan Armstrong is supposed to throw over the top as the red dotted line is implying to the back pylon. Do you know why? If he throws that pass exactly how he threw the in route to Keon Lassane, instead of it being picked off by a safety, you're looking at cover one. And when you see the corner matching Keon Lassane, you know that it's cover one man. And at that point in time, when you see, wait a minute, he's kind of smothered. Your next thing should be, oh, but we've got a guy on the outside here who I can throw the ball to because if he sells that pass like he did the in route, it just goes out of bounds. And you know what happens when that ball goes out of bounds? Second and 10 Wolfpack from the 15-yard line. Best case scenario, we get the first down there, but you just put the ball in a very, very tight window as opposed to throwing it into a bigger window in, in the fade, going for a deeper pass. Bigger window, deeper pass. I Instead, we sail it because Brennan Armstrong has pressure in his face right away. And 
and gets intercepted. But again, the pressure was there. Brennan did not make the right read. He did not make the right read. That is just, I will stand on that. I will die. And again, I, I get the vision of my receiver has inside leverage and he's running an in-breaking route. So I should be able to count on that being there. I, I understand the vision. I do. But when you saw single high safety and you saw man coverage on that in that situation, go ahead and throw that fade. Go ahead and throw that fade because football is all about math. I know a lot of people think it's just br- brutality and violence and all that good stuff. It's a lot like how boxing is the sweet science instead of just wild, hey, we're going to throw haymakers until one of us gets tired. and then we're gonna... it's, it's a science to this thing. And you've got to do the numbers in this situation. Keon Lassane is running into a situation where if you throw the ball to him, you're potentially looking at two defenders being in that area. If you throw the ball to Porter Rooks there, you're looking at one receiver, one defender. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the math is simple. The math is super simple here. Brennan Armstrong committed, again, what Andre will refer to as a freshman pass in his sixth year. This first edition of our Locked On Look of the Week here, we chose this, of course, like you mentioned, Kenton, if we score on this drive, if we do throw the fade to Rooks and he catches it, maybe, or even say that this pass goes incomplete, it's second Mm -hmm. and 10 on the 15, and we score later on. Even if it's a field goal, preferably a touchdown, if we score on this drive, we go up by either 13 or 17 to begin the second half. The momentum there that is missed out on, it, it cannot be overstated. Because that that essentially was the beginning of a very slow, painful death. People keep telling me having MJ on this team will only win us one or two more games. Well, we just lost one. Yeah. I guarantee you, we just lost one that I can directly put on the shoulders of the, the main man, the quarterback, and say, hey, brother, what are you doing out there? That's our first ever uh, Locked On Look of the Week. And uh, don't worry, we'll be bringing this to you every week. Plays that change the game, plays that – you know, made the game better, made it worse. We will be bringing this to you every single week. And again, we are taking another look at this play tomorrow from the protection standpoint to talk about how they let Brennan down on this play as well. In just a moment here, we're going to be wrapping up with our big picture takeaways on Monday after another quick word from our sponsors. Our second sponsor of the day is FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Yes, that's right. $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Finishing up our Monday episode with our big picture takeaways from the 13 to 10 loss at the hands of Louisville on Friday night. My biggest takeaway, no surprise here, it's time for a change. And that change comes at the quarterback position. I want to reiterate, I have been in favor of Armstrong being the quarterback up until this point. This has been a slow progression since week one. You saw the signs at UConn a bit of an anemic offense there did just enough to get the win on the road. A lot of, a lot of which came from Armstrong using his legs. Notre Dame, same thing. You saw some of the signs, some of the reads, 
the decision-making, it wasn't there. You kind of throw out the VMI game because it's VMI, respectfully. But then again, that you go on the road to UVA, a team that you should dominate, point-blank period, and you're having the same issues, getting getting any sort of a, a semblance of an effective offense against the worst defense in the league. And then finally, the last case here to present to the jury, you're at home, you have a great environment, it's a blackout, Louisville's defense is not that impressive, and you have probably your worst offensive performance of the season so far. Again, we don't have time to sit around and let Armstrong figure things out. The Mm -hmm. defense played more than well enough to win that game, and we ruined it. And again, circling back to MJ here, he's not the immediate fix. There are a lot of other things in this offensive line, some things with the receiving core. MJ will not come in and immediately solve this. Again, you could put anyone back there at quarterback, and they're going to run into the same issues. However, you have to mix in a fresh look here because it's been proven through five games that Armstrong is incapable of leading this offense to consistent victories in this league. And because of that, we do not have any more time to wait around. Sorry. The experiment is now effectively over. It has to end here, and we have to invest everything we have in the future, which should be now, in MJ Morris. Yeah. Yeah, I thought was in agree. My big takeaway um, from this game is our offensive line is bad at pass blocking, not, not good at that. They're god-awful at run blocking. We could not open a hole to save a lot. This is this is crazy. This feels like bizarre world. You know, for us to not be able to run the ball is one thing, and he, but for us to or for us to not desire to run the ball is one thing. For us to have our running game be such a net negative, I mean, you know, you look at this game and you say, "Hey, Brendan Armstrong is the leading rusher again, sixty-one yards on um, on seventeen carries." But here's a fun fact. For this game, Peyton Wilson was our second leading rusher by yards per attempt. And Peyton part about that is that it's factually correct. And Peyton Wilson's fourth down conversion was a massive three yards. Other than that, we got Michael Allen averaging 2.8, Deborah Mims averaging two, and Demarcus Jones averaging negative five. Again, we're coming at you tomorrow with another locked on look of the week. For the same play, this time we're going to talk to protection. Yes, of course. We will be back on Tuesday giving you a further in-depth look of what went right and a lot of what went wrong against Louisville on Friday night. That will do it for us here on Monday. As always, thank you so very much for tuning into our live feed this past Friday evening, joining us here on Monday. We appreciate all the support and messages we've been getting from so many of you. That means the world to us, uh, and we certainly hope that you continue to rock with us as the season goes on as always be sure to like comment and subscribe put your comments in the comment box we will have a fan friday this week because we don't play on a friday for the first time in three weeks so we will we will get to each and every one of your comments you will hear a response from us and you may be featured on friday's episode as well until tomorrow go pack go pack